We have a home congregation, so we don't do all this speaker kind of stuff. We don't do PowerPoint either, so I'm not going to do PowerPoint this morning. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I am not Sean. Besides, his beard is nicer than mine. Everybody has a word to speak. This is the era of the Internet. Everybody has a blog or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something to where we can say what we want to say when we want to say it. Everybody has an opinion, and everybody is shouting out their opinion today. Way back when, people used to say that words were cheap. Now, words mean nothing. So we throw it out there. We shout. We scream. And in most cases, nobody really cares. Because words mean nothing. Open your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to see a word that means absolutely everything. The Word of God. Lately in San José dos Campos, I've been teaching a lot, both publicly and privately, the plan of salvation. When we talk among us about the plan of salvation, we usually talk about the steps to salvation. And because, as we've seen in Galatians chapter 1, That there are a lot of people out there teaching different things, diverse doctrines, false teachings. That we have to correct those so that people can understand the will of God and obey the Lord according to truth. And we have to do that. That's necessary. But let us be sure that we do not go to another extreme and emphasize man's part in detriment to God's part. There are two essential things. So one of the things I've been doing... I'm going to be uh, two weeks from today in Ohio uh, speaking in a gospel meeting there. And what I'm going to basically do in that gospel meeting, I'm going to share a little bit of that here with you this morning. And what I've been doing in Brazil recently is to show that every step in God's plan of salvation is a response to something that God has already done. 1 John 4 verse 19 says that we love because He loved us first. We just sang that song. It was such a happy coincidence or maybe a happy providence. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Romans chapter 5 talks about what God did in Christ. And three times there he says that God sent his son to die for us while we were still weak, while we were still sinners. And while we were yet enemies, God took the initiative. And so everything we do in response to the gospel, our faith and our obedience, is exactly that. It is a response to something that God does or has already done. So, He gives us His Word. What do we do? We We hear, we listen, we obey. God shows us His glory. And that glory should provoke in us a response of unworthiness. And so we repent. God sent His Son. So we have the Word of God. We have the glory of God. We have the Son of God. He sent His Son to earth. So what do we do? We need to confess His name. Beginning at the point of our conversion and going throughout all of our lives. If you look at Matthew chapter 10, 
the limited commission. Jesus talks about confession. Confession is actually proclamation. It is proclaiming the gospel of God, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And then there is the salvation of God. How do we respond to that? How do we receive it? How do we enter into Christ to receive salvation? Through baptism. And then there is the family of God. We need to participate in this family, be a part of it, because God is Father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and He has placed us here among His family to express His love among us. I want to talk about this first one, the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1. Whenever I open a Bible with somebody for the very first time, and we're going to study the Gospel with a non-Christian, this is where I start. Because it sets, it sets the tone. It establishes the pattern of all Scripture that we're going to see a lot of themes or truths that start at the beginning and go all the way to the end of Scripture. Because, because this book is from God and He is speaking to us those eternal truths that He wants us to hear. There are five things here today. I don't have a watch and you guys are not, you guys are not scriptural here because you don't have a clock on the back wall. I'm told that I can go till about 12.30. Is that, is that right today? Something like that? Okay, 11 o'clock then. So when I get close to 11 o'clock, somebody, somebody give me a, a sign. Because we don't do clocks in Brazil, all right? We're, we're good about that. So Sean tells me I have about 30 minutes. So I'm going to race through this. And, and so take any breath. So here we go. Here's the first thing we want to see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 about the Word of God. That it is, first of all, a Word of power. Read with me. You're not going to have this up on your screen, so you're going to have to break out a Bible. You're going to have to find your your electronic device there and find Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Literally, He was hovering. The word there is used of birds, mother birds hovering over their nests. Verse 3, God said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. As Steve mentioned in his prayer, we've been in Brazil now. It it will be 34 years as of this November. And since we've been in Brazil, on Sunday nights on the global television network, there is um, a variety type of program. We we don't have a TV in our house. We haven't had one in 22 years, something like that. But I'm told that this program is still going. And so they have, and, and the name of the program is Fantastical, something fantastic. They always catch your attention. And one of the things I teach about when I teach people this passage is, is look at this. Look at the power behind the Word of God. God speaks and it happens. And I usually say something about uh, a door or a window when I'm in somebody's home teaching. Just imagine if I had the power to say, hey, door, Open. And all of a sudden that door begins to... I hope they're well-oiled here. I don't know. 
Or I could say to this pulpit, pulpit, raise up. And all of a sudden this thing starts to raise up. No wires. I could move that by my word. This, this is Sunday, tonight, if I were to do that, I would be on the program fantastical because it would be fantastic. Can you imagine somebody, by speaking a word, can move things? How fantastic is that? But you know what? That does not even compare to the Word of God who said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. A God who speaks and creates things from nothing. Now that's power. That is awesome power. That is ultimate power. That is complete power. And here's the thing. And here's what I try to get people to understand in Brazil when I'm teaching a non-Christian for the very first time. This power is available to you. Are you frustrated with your life? Would you like things to be different in your life? Would you like to be a better person, a better father, a better mother, a, a better employee, a better person? Do you like things to change in your life? Here is the power. Yeah, but that was God speaking. And it was. Here, God continues to speak. It's the same Word of God. Whether it's God speaking orally or it's God speaking in written form, it is still the Word of God. And this Word is in your hand. Moses said to the people of Israel, the Word is close to you. And so it is. It's the Word in my language, in my hands. And how I respond to this Word determines whether or not I'm going to have in my own life this kind of power. There can be, for me and for you, a total transformation of life. Now, who doesn't want that? Who's not looking for that? If you go to the bookstore or online, you're going to see books and books and more and more works about self-help. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I've benefited from a lot of those books. But in the end, self-help has nothing to offer because it cannot transform at that essential level of being. In the first chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he basically said the following. I think it's in about verse 13. He said, God showed me, the Lord showed me so much mercy and patience. And he said, you know why that is? Because I'm an example for others. In other words, if God can save me, He can save anybody. If God can change my life, He can change your life too. We always want to be the exception, do we not? Oh yeah, that's all good and fine, but mm, it really doesn't apply to me. It applies especially to you and to me. Oh, the Word has power. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that Jesus sustains, maintains everything by the power of His Word. And James says, chapter 1, verse 21, that it is the Word that has power to save, that is able to save your soul. 
That's why we need to give this book all the attention in the world. We can spend hours and hours and hours playing games, video games, watching movies, uh, watching television, doing uh, all sorts of recreational types of things or, or other types of things. How is it that we have a hard time spending just a few moments out of our day in the Word? If we don't have power in our lives, it's because we're not in the Word. It's a direct connection. The second thing we need to notice about this word is that it is a word of order. A word of order. Read with me, if you will, beginning in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6, down to about verse 10. God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning, a second day. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. It was so. God called the dry ground, land, and the gathered waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. Do you know what God is doing here? He's giving order. He's establishing an organization to the world. We call them natural laws. The Bible calls them God putting everything in order and maintaining that order by His constant attention and power. What does that have to do with me? It has to do the following. Especially today, I I suspect, our lives are so complicated. In fact, that's a favorite word of Brazilians. I learned a long time ago, if you ask somebody to do something for you, and if they say, well, that's kind of complicated, what they mean is, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do it. It's a no. It's just a nice way of not looking you in the face and saying, sorry, but that's impossible to do. Our lives are complicated. And we live lives that are so spaced out, that are so busy, that we're here and there and everywhere. We don't have any order in our lives. That can be true on an individual basis. It can be true on the level of the family of God, of the congregation. We read this morning in Bible class here in the auditorium in Titus that Paul left Titus in Crete for a couple of reasons. And Brother Charles mentioned here, one of those was to set in order the things that were lacking. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul He gave them some very specific rules to follow on the use of those miraculous gifts so that the congregation could be edified. That's the key word in chapter 14, to be edified, because there would be order in the use of those gifts and in the reason for their use. And he actually said, I think in verse 33, because God is not a God of disorder but of peace. 
Do you feel like you're being drawn and quartered in your life today? That you don't have enough time for anything? That there are so many demands upon your life and you can't get everything figured out to put it all together? Sometimes we as Christians feel that way. Imagine how the non-Christian feels. This book, as God's Word, will put order in your life. It will give you the peace and tranquility and the calm and the structure for you to be able to grow and become that person that God wants you to be. So it's a word not only of power, but it's a word of order. Order is good. It is healthy. And it brings growth. There's a third thing I want you to notice with me here in Genesis chapter 1 about God's Word. And that is that it is a word of blessing. Look at verse 28. After God created Adam and Eve, what's the very first thing that He said to them? God blessed them. God's first word to mankind was a blessing. God's word, generally speaking, is a word of blessing. It affirms His goodness. It affirms His good intent for all of us. Yes, God's word, God's word may be a word of judgment, may be a word of condemnation. We will face John 12 verse 48. Jesus says we will face his word in the judgment. We will be judged by that word by what we have said and what we have done in this life. But God's intent is to bless. So, what do we need to do? We need to listen to this Word. We need to observe and do this Word in order that we might receive the blessing of God. God blessed them. And God continues to want to bless today. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, when he is giving praise to God, blessed is he who has given us all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Brazil, they say that people who are tightwads are Turkish. So they'll call somebody, he's, he's a Turk because he's a tightwad. Now where I come from, I'm a descendant of McDonald's, which means Scottish. And the Scottish have, or used to have anyway, a reputation of being tightwads. Okay, I admit it, I'm a tightwad. But God is not a tightwad. God loves to bless. He loves to give. See how many times the verb give has God as its subject. Because God, what does He want to do? Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that Christ gave His life He died on the cross. Why? To bring you to God. God wants us to be in fellowship with Him. That is the greatest blessing. In Brazil, we have a great problem with the prosperity gospel, health and wealth gospel. 
People are out for things and for health to have their problems solved. And they miss the greatest blessing of all is to have God in their lives. The Word of God is a word of blessing. Number four, how how close are we getting to 11 o'clock here? I know there's a ton of food over back here. I got eight minutes. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Number four then. Let's see the fourth thing about this Word of God here in Genesis. Still in chapter, still in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. Do you know what God is doing here? He's saying, I want you to participate. I want you to be a part of this project of mine. All of this was made for you. If you look and see what God said about the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars, all of that was done in order to give us a clock, to give us a calendar. We look at the universe and we think, oh, how small we are. The Bible looks at the universe and says, oh, how great mankind is because all of this was made for you and you ought to participate in it. You ought to be a part of it. You ought to be working in the midst of all of this. This is a word of participation. A word of invitation. Do something with me. Do something with what I have given you. And that word of invitation and participation continues to this day. We are family of God. And do you know what God is saying? I've given you so many gifts and blessings. I want you to take that. And I want you to use that. And I want you to bless other people. One of the requests that I make in my own personal and public prayers and at home is to ask a blessing from the Lord in order that we might be a blessing to others. That's what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to all of mankind. (coughs) And then he says to Abraham... You be a blessing. That's what God wants us to do. And what is the absolute greatest blessing that we can give or be to others? It is the blessing of the presence of God in everyone's life. So the Word of God is also a word that calls us to participate in God's life and in God's work. And His work today is a work of reconciliation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have been given the ministry or the service of reconciliation. So what is our message? He sums it up in a word. Be reconciled to God. That's why we're here. And that is why elders, as we saw this morning, I thought it was so interesting, Elders are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in speaking and teaching. Because they are passing forward. They are giving to others God's Word. So that's where we have to start. And that's how we continue as well.
Okay, number five here. I've probably got three minutes left, two and a half, something like that. Let me go now to chapter two and to see that this is also a word of decision. Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. Look at verse 15 that just reinforces the previous point about a word of participation. The Lord took... The Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to do what? To care for it and to maintain it. Man is to be a worker. I want to be a worker for the Lord. Now verse 16 in our fifth point. Then the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat fruit from every tree of the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. God gives us also a word of decision. What should be our response to God's word? The brother who did such a fine job here in the meditation for the Lord's Supper read about the transfiguration. What was the voice that came from heaven? Here was Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And Peter is just... He's just baba. He's, he's babundo, we would say in Portuguese. He was just, you know, he was just so open mouthed. He was just dribbling. Because here you have all the greats of the Jewish religion. And so he's babbling, too. He really doesn't understand, so how are we going to know what he, what he tried to say? But he wants to stick around for a while. He wants to preserve this moment. And the voice from heaven comes, and it says basically, Moses, he's a garner. Elijah, he's already had his time. This, Jesus, who is among you, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen. Listen to Him. What is the great Jewish quotation of Scripture that Jews to this very day cite? On a daily basis, it's called the Shema. From the Hebrew word that begins there in Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel. Now, it's not the kind of hearing that sometimes children are going to do because it goes in here and goes out the other side. But it's the hearing and the listening that does. And the whole book of James, for example, it's like, it doesn't matter if you know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you are not practicing, that's the point. So we have to decide that we are going to obey the Word of God. I think I told this one of the first times I was here. Lauren tells me that there are some new folks here, so we probably don't know each other. You've probably not heard all my, all my old stories. I'm closing out my office that I've been renting now for 16 and a half years. It's, it's a long process because I have all kinds of books. probably have two or 3,000 books. I have three file cabinets of papers. And so I'm moving all that home, but not all of it's going to fit in my home office. So I've been going through all these papers, and I found this little piece of paper. This piece of paper was filled out, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. When we were giving public Bible courses... And I did a course on how to become a Christian. And a brother in the congregation brought a young lady, about 20, 21 years old. 
And she had a little child, a little boy about two. And she began participating in this course. She didn't miss a single one on how to become a Christian. At the beginning, we asked people to fill out their names and addresses. And we have a little thing down here. Uh, Tell in a few words what your interest is in studying the Bible. She was very interested. She brought the little boy with her. That little boy was kind of rambunctious. He would kind of go in and underneath the chairs, and he was always on the move. So you just kind of had to ignore him while you, while you taught the class. And then one day she didn't come. And the next class period she didn't come. And she'd been even coming on Sundays as well, and she missed on Sundays. So I asked Brother Benedicto, who had, who had invited her and who knew her, said, Senor Benedicto, do you know where, where Maria, that's her name, where Maria is? He says, no, I, I've not seen her. He says, I'll see if I can find her. As it turned out, she was separated. And her husband, ex-husband, boyfriend, whatever, was going to have to give her the house that he was living in. And he'd already started living with somebody else. And in order for him not to have to give that house over to her, he was able somehow to get her out, way back out in the boonies behind the oil refinery in a deserted area. And he killed her. He cut her head off. And he took her head and he went over and he threw it down into a ravine. And then he killed his own son. That was on a Saturday. That night, he took his new girlfriend and went to a party. Here was this girl that had been with us for several, several weeks, had been so attentive, so interested. And then all of a sudden, she's gone. And I had a kind of a hard time dealing with all of that. Especially because when she wrote here on her form, when we asked, say in a few words what your interest is in studying the Bible, she put a single word. Salvation. Salvation. Jesus speaks a word to us. It is a word of decision. And it is a word that is urgent. It is urgent because, first of all, Jesus may return at any moment. And none of us, whether we are 200 years old or we are 20 years old, none of us has a guarantee of another day of life. When I came across this form just a few days ago in my office again, tears again came to my eyes when I thought of this young lady and her son. I'm leaving with the Lord how all that's going to wind up in judgment, but I know what the Word says, and we are not going to go beyond the Word. You and I, my friend, need to listen to God's Word and obey what He says. That's what He calls us to do. And when we listen and obey, we have at our disposal all the power of God 
and all God's presence and all God's blessing and every hope that is in Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? If you're a Christian, maybe you need to give another listen to this word and repent. If you're not a Christian, listen and obey. Because in that is our salvation. If we can be helpful to you this morning, please do come here at the front as together we stand and sing.